Well, that's fun. We're going to get to know uh, Pastor Mark more in the days ahead. Well, today is the first Sunday in Advent, uh, as has been declared, as we've already read, as we've leaned into. It's that season of preparation, of anticipation, and uh, not because of Santa, right? Not because of lights, not because of activities we go to. It's none of that. It's, it's a celebration of the birth of Jesus as the fulfillment of God's promise, Promise not to only us, but the incredible thing to the world, right? It's also for us an anticipation, not only the celebration of his birth, but this anticipation of his second coming. And as I uh, mentioned earlier this morning in, in a forum, I think as we get older, we're anticipating that second coming. Any day now, Jesus, right? Any day, come while sitting at our, at our table uh, this last week for community meal, someone used this heavy theological term. It just kind of uh, brought it to our table in, in an incredible way. The word is incarnation, incarnation. And as we talked around the table, which we do, this is the fun part of it, it was agreed that this word is a powerful Word, if true, we all must reckon with this. In fact, not just us in the room, but everyone in the world needs to reckon with this idea and concept of incarnation. If we're going to consider the claims about Jesus, uh, his own claims about himself, and whether we're going to follow him now and into eternity. I mean, we have to reckon with this, this concept that the Father has given his Son to us. And while this word is not found, incarnation is not found in the Bible, neither the Old Testament or the New Testament, it is an elemental to Jesus and the good news of the gospel. That's why Christmas. I mean, this is why of Christmas. So what does incarnation mean? As on the screen, it's simply but very complex, has a complexity to it. God became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh and dwelt among us. So as this verse, this verse, uh, the verses around this will be a cornerstone to our Advent and into our Christmas celebrations this year. The first, the verse that we're going to repeat every week and we're going to read it aloud is from Matthew 1, 23, yet was referenced by Kathy earlier in her prayer in 7, Isaiah 7, 14. So would you read this with me? Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So not only do we have a theological word that is extracted or pulled out, this word incarnation, but we have a name for Jesus, as has been declared too already. His name is Emmanuel. I mean, God himself gave Jesus the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's not something we put on him. It is something his own father put on him. And thus the title of the series, With Us. With Us. While God has been pursuing us, uh, pursuing us uh, all, even though we turned our back on him, uh, the very, the very idea that, and the thought that God continues while we have turned our back and we did turn our back on him, God is 
all the time, all throughout history, bending himself to us or coming to us. So the with us factor has been since the creator, God, created. We are reminded in Genesis 3 that God walked with Adam and Eve. I mean, with them, not in a distance, but he came searching for them in Genesis 3. So with us has always been crucial. When a baby is born, there is an an innate uh, thing within that infant that God has placed within them, that they need to be held, they need to be nurtured, they need to be loved, they need to be cared for. This is that with us quotient, if you will, that a thriving baby is one who knows that they're cared for by their mother or their father or the caregiver, whoever that may be, upon birth and throughout their life. That with us quotient, that with us part of us. When we're born, we needed to be held, fed, and cared for in a way that provides for survival. But even more than that, uh, that moves us into this place of thriving and teaches us so many other aspects of life. This nurturing is impossible without this word, if you will, this preposition, with, with. A mother, father, a caregiver needs to be with the baby, if you will. So with, along, alongside, amidst, among, beside, by, near, for. I mean, with, with. Beyond babies, And that idea and that concept, we all like with. We all do. Uh, We all go to eat with, hopefully, somebody. And if we don't, we try to find somebody. In fact, that's the incredible thing about community meal, is we have more people who are eating alone. They would eat alone if they weren't with us. It is incredible, right? We, We go to the movies, and what do we do? We call somebody to go with us. In fact, when we hear somebody has gone to the movies by themselves, we kind of go, okay. Right? I mean, we just kind of have this, like, even though that's not the worst thing in the world, right? We go on trips, right? Hopefully to be with others. Not just to be around them, but to share the experiences with. I mean, it's all in this same idea that God has placed within us. In Genesis, we have and hear and read these words. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness our image, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a divine relationship from the very beginning, uh, desiring a with us type of format. Let me ask this, because we're gonna switch gears, and I, I want us to, over the whole series, see this idea with. How many things fill your time, uh, how many things in your day, fill your time because you're not with somebody. Now think about that. How many times do you turn on the TV just to have somebody, something present, a noise? There's something in us that drives us to want to be with, even the most introverted of us, as the pandemic came to show us. Well, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 1, starting in the 18th verse. Let's just go back to the story of Joseph, because today's message is, is about with, but with us in the valleys. 
This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Now, this perspective that is written in Matthew is more from the Joseph's perspective than it is probably from any other perspective that uh, Matthew wrote. So Mary and, Mo- Mary and Joseph are pledged to be married. This means in their culture, in their concepts where they live, they were not living together, they are, nor did they know each other prior, and if I may be more direct, they didn't have uh, any sexual union prior to marriage, towards the end of it. And this is what it means in the phrase, before they came together. Yet they were, in all, by all accounts and all purposes, married in their culture Yet she is pregnant by or through the Holy Spirit. We know from Luke, the angel brought the message to Mary. So you can imagine the conversation between Mary and Joseph. Maybe it went something like this. Uh, Mary says, hey, Joe. Yeah? I got something to tell you. You you may just want to sit down. Uh, Okay. It can't be that big, right? I mean, I've been working on the house. Honest, I have. We, we, we have our parents' blessings. We're all good. I mean, everything's heading in the right direction. I'm excited. Well, we have a blessing, a blessing you might not expect. But our people have been waiting for this blessing, this promise uh, to come into a reality for a very long time. Job, a little puzzled, he says, what's this blessing? Well, I got a visit from an angel, and the angel said I would carry the Son of God. Uh, Before you say anything, I asked the angel how this is even possible. I get it. I'm a virgin, and he said, by the Holy Spirit. Joe's response is, really? And I can just imagine, Joe just kind of walks into the distance, kind of like, what in the world? right? This is maybe where uh, Matthew's pa- uh, Matthew picks up in the story um, after he puts in the genealogy. Jason, Joseph has heard the good news and begins to question the veracity of this whole thing. He's now intertwined in. He can't get out. There, there's, there's really no way. Pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Did you hear this? And yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, we'll get to it, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. The passage describes Joseph as faithful to the law. He's He's faithful just as in some other passages or versions would say. Joseph obeyed, okay, obeyed not perfectly, but he obeyed what the Hebrew Bible taught. This this, this is not just what others said. This is what God said about Joseph. And this is because we believe that scripture is written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Matthew places us in there and wrote it down about him. So this law-abiding man wants to do the right thing by Mary. The man, as one commentator said, had compassion and mercy for her, not anger. 
He wanted to divorce her quietly without bringing any more shame or guilt to the situation. Now, we could read some Old Testament passages that declare what should happen in this situation. But can we just, can we just put ourselves here? Joseph is in a valley. Uh, I mean, God doesn't view it this way, but no doubt Joseph does, as we've already established. So he goes to bed, and I think he's settled on what he's going to do. I think he's determined, yep, I, I, I have the right path and plan. The question to us this, 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 uh, this, afternoon, this morning, what do you do when you're in a valley? Life has you against the ropes. We, uh, can, find, we, uh, we can find easy when everything is good, yet when it gets hard, in that moment with the news, what do we do? In those relationships, this family, the financial school, something transpires that we don't know, what, what do we do? I mean, some of us, we've been living through it for a long time, right? It, it's an old news, but we're continuing to live into it. Some of us, it's new news. And it has us with depression and anxiety and worry and stress and health issues. And we may have our ways and opinions, but... They're, not pro- they're providing to be rubbish in light of our situation. Does the Bible say anything about how we're to, tra- to, to move through the valleys of life? And how can, how, how can we go through without de- devising plans to go around them? Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Psalm 84 this morning. By the way, if you do not have a Bible, you're free to take the one in front of you, or we have some other ones out there we'd love for you to take and read this word. But we'll be in Psalm 84, starting with the fifth verse. There it says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. That's it. That's what we're going to look at this morning. How does God help us to navigate the valleys of life? We always, we enjoy him on the mountain, but as we have established even in the last series, we get to know him in the valley. So what is the valley of Becca? Well, some have said the Valley of Becca is more likely related to a tree. The, the word is more like, uh, is related to the word balsam. And the tree would ooze sap, as balsams do. And if you walk by it, people would say, that's a weeper tree. And so they would say, they would say that's the valley or that's the, the tree of weeping, of crying. So that's why in different scriptures, you'll see the Valley of Baca is tra- uh, translated into the valley of tears or the valley of weeping. Anytime you see a valley in the Bible, you may often see a place that was very dangerous. Uh, There'd be thorns, there'd be wild animals, there would be people that would be taking advantage of other people as they passed through. It was a dangerous, generally a dangerous place. But the verse says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. And as the psalmist has already started this psalm, he started as addressed to God. He's talking about God. Some of us here this morning may not be followers of Christ. We're glad that you're here, but if you don't know God intimately, then there are chances that times you just say, you know, I've just had enough. I'm out. 
I'm, I'm checking out. And if you don't know God intimately, you is all you have. You is all you have. And so when we talk about this verse says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, it's a strength that goes beyond who we are. It's a strength that goes beyond who we think we are. How many have ever lifted weights before? As you can tell, I, I do. I work out all the time. Not really. I did at one time when I was uh, still working for uh, my, uh, my family, and uh, we had this guy who was a weightlifter, bodybuilder, kind of like my uh, youngest uh, daughter's husband. He's a weightlifter, um, too. And um, so I would go work out with him. And the incredible thing of working out with somebody is you generally don't, wor- don't want to work out with free weights alone. You're supposed to work with a spotter. And there would be many times when we would be working through reps, right, and I would be gassed, uh, and that's the way you're supposed to be at, towards the end of things. Mine were usually at the beginning, though. That's the that thing. <laughs> and Tom would take over. And I had no clue. I mean, just, just a few fingers just helping me out. You see, when you only have you, it's just you. But in this passage of scripture, I want to give you an image, an idea, a thought. When you have God, it's as if he says, you're going to go through this, but you're not alone. I'm with you. My strength is going to go beyond your strength. And he puts his hands underneath the bar and lifts them up for you. I mean, the text doesn't say those who make it on their own. It doesn't say blessed are those who pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. It doesn't say blessed are those who uh, are just greatly determined. In fact, one of probably the problems that we have today is that we ideologize that word, uh, a spirit of independence. I mean, you can do it alone. You don't need anybody else. The truth is we do. Uh, We need one another in community, but we also, more importantly, we need God himself. That's why scripture says when you are weak, his strength is made perfect. His strength is made perfect. In the NLT, uh, that verse reads this way, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. I love this as we move into kind of a next thought about this passage, that we're on a pilgrimage. It means that we may be in a valley right now, but we're just passing through. And in this case, Jerusalem was a city of refuge, a place of peace, a place where you can park yourself and know that you're going to and be taken care of. You may have to travel through the Valley of Tears, as one uh, commentary says, but you're traveling to the city of refuge, a a place where God will take care of you and is going to take care of you and give you a place of peace. Uh, After he said this, he said, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord who have set their minds who have set their minds. Blessed are those who have their minds set toward God. What you think about matters so much. How many of you have had a a sleepless night because something has chased into your mind? Uh, It may even wake you up, right? 
oftentimes what you think about gets in there and starts to mess with you. Paul talked about this in the New Testament in Colossians 3, 2. He said, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, that we are to set our minds on what God is doing or what he, what he has said and what is true. So what you think about matters tremendously. Yet, that doesn't mean that everything's good, that life is where it should be, right? We set our minds in order to affix our attention and our affections on God. There may be pressures with the in-laws. You may wonder how you're going to pay for Christmas. Uh, The lists go on and on and on and on with the kind of things that put us into a valley. But the mind, our mind needs to be set as we learned and walked through over the last few weeks on the goodness of who God is, that he is with me, that he is for me. Greater is he Greater is the one who is in me than he that is in the world. I mean, we have to remind ourselves over and over and affix our minds that such as his words are a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I mean, he is the one in which we look to set our minds on. So you may be in the valley, but your mind is fixed on Christ, on God verse 6 says this as they pass through the valley of Baca they make it a place of springs and springs place of springs in other words uh, they may be in the valley which is not our destination but they're in the valley right now but they're going to create they're going to do something that's incredible in this valley that is make it a place of springs and how do we do that How do we make this valley, this place where we don't want to stay, we're pilgrimage through into a place of valley, uh, a place of springs, excuse me. Uh, Carry a shovel with you. Carry a shovel with you. Okay, maybe not. Dig a well, though. I mean, are you you creating a container in yourself where you can hold the provisions that God is going to give to you? Or are you so consumed with the valley Your mind is so scattered that you're not preparing the container of your very being, your soul, to contain what he is going to provide for you in those places. I I mean, God did this all the way through the New Testament. Now think about this. Jesus, Jesus wants us to act. He wants us to step out. God wants us to step out and do our part. He's he's not going to deliver it all on us, uh, for us. Jesus said to the guy with the withered hand, what did he say? He said, reach out your hand, didn't he? He he was telling him that you need to participate in what is taking place. And his hand was healed, right? A man who couldn't walk for 38 years, what did he say? Oh, you're healed. No, he didn't say that. He said, take up your mat and walk. Uh, Do what I've do what the very thing that will contain the provision that I'm going to give to you. I'm Put it into action. It's, it's as if you're planting a seed. You're putting it into the ground. You're wanting God to come th- through, yet you pray it and God hears you and you dig and you put it in the ground and then you, you do all the things that make that plant grow. You know, God wants to draw near 
to you. Draw near to him and he will reveal himself. Has it been a while since you've sensed the presence of the living God? Has it been a while since you've felt like there's a cistern in your soul, of water, a reservoir? It may be time to dig a ditch. It, it, it's, it may be time to say, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stop where I am right now. And in the season of Advent, uh, this opportunity to slow down, it may be one of those opportunities to, to dig a hole and wait and wait. You see, God rarely reveals himself to people who are rushed. He rarely reveals himself to people who are rushed. I, I mean, think about this. Uh, a little Old Testament on you. Moses, burning bush. You know, I mean, Moses was in a hurry that day all would be lost, right? I mean, pass the burning bush. Take a picture and he move on. But sometimes those places are places for us to take off our sandals, to take off our shoes, and to be still and know that he, God, is God. Make a well. Dig it. We remember that we enjoy God in the mountain but we get to know him in the valley. So back to Joseph. So Joseph goes to bed. Uh, kind of restless night, I think. He wanted to do the right thing by Mary, to do the right thing by the law, do the right thing by God, do the right thing even for himself, but God steps in with his thoughts and said, in verse 20, it says, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife and he did not consummate their marriage until she had given birth to a son and he gave, and he gave him the name Jesus. Friends, are, are you in a valley? Uh, as the psalmist has already told us, our next steps maybe are this, to live into the Lord's strength in this valley. Uh, maybe you've been trying to do it alone or do it, go it alone. But we need to live into the Lord's thing, allow ourselves to participate, but realize that when we come to the end of ourselves, we may just be beginning in the process of what God may want to do. We need to be a people who set our mind on God. So set your mind on God. Uh, think on him. Think on his word. How do we do that? By getting into his word by memorizing your, his word, by reading his word, by having his word read to us, we are then are allowed to have the mind of Christ. We need to create a container for his provision uh, because God is a provider. You may be in the valley this moment, but you're moving through the valley. Create a container and the container is you. That's who it is. Are you rushed so much you can't pause to take time with the Lord? Are you rushed so much that prayer becomes this uh, jagged place, not this 
place of solace and intimacy with the Lord, this depth. Create a container for his provision for what will come. I think in all of these cases, I think that Joseph did exactly that. He came to the end of himself. He came to what he could think of and conceive. He went to bed, right? And he's like, ah, and Lord, I want to do what you want to do. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to try to anyway, right? And Joseph becomes what Psalm 84 tells us, this place where springs spring up. In fact, spring up a sprout, right? And we also need to remember we're on a pilgrimage through. Where are you at? Are you in a valley or on your mountaintop? Either one, we're on a, on a pilgrimage through, not here to stay. So when we're making provisions to stay, we may be at a loss for his provisions that he wants to give us. One of my favorite psalms that reminds me that God is with me, and maybe it can be one of yours too, is Psalm 139. Uh, far before Jesus was, was born, but David grasped this intimacy with God that kind of surpasses almost the day and space that he was in. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Well, Jesus was yet to come. David understood the with me God, the one who was always there, that his spirit was always near. In this season, may we also grasp afresh and anew for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who love him and want to follow him into the world and do what he's called us to do. May we grasp again the with me God, the one who wishes to not only be with us, but that he wants us to be with others. Let us pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, in the world in which we live that is dark, And in a morning like this where there was darkness and fog and rain, we tend to grasp the light of the world in greater ways. We we tend to understand what Jesus came to do, who he came to be. And we're so, so grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for sending your son, Jesus, so that, Father, he would be with us always to the end of the age. Father, I pray that as we move through this season that you would remind us, renew us on what your son came to do in us and through us for the glory of your kingdom and your name. Uh, Friends, maybe you didn't realize that God was desiring to be with you maybe you thought it was a this maybe you thought God was somebody that you needed to well appease yet because of God's son being sent to earth to 
be born to live and to die. The appeasement has been done. And he wishes to be with you. To be your strength. To provide for you. To walk with you. If you have yet to say yes to Jesus, pray this prayer with me or pray your your own prayer. But he wishes to be with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me from my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow, love, and live for you in Jesus' name. Father, we're grateful. We're grateful for a God who chose to be with us. May we give you glory and honor and praise, not only today, but every day we walk with you. Amen.